the Gospel of John, first chapter begins, in the beginning was the Word, and words was with God, the Word was God. It's an amazing experience that happened there. Because when the Apostle John wrote those words, he was merging together two worlds. The world of the Greek and their wisdom, and he was merging together the world of the Jew and their longing for the presence of God. Mike, this mic is really hot. It's way too loud. And that word that he used there that we translate word is the little Greek word logos. And when you consider what that meant in the world of the first century, it had a sense in the Greek world of coming from wisdom. And they sought wisdom. If you know anything about the world of Greece and Rome in that time, there were all of those great men who used to sit around and think and talk, and they would debate things, and all those wonderful philosophers that lived back then that some of you had the privilege of studying in high school and college. And then there's this whole thing of the, uh, of the Jewish world, of the word word. There are some of the most orthodox of the Jewish faith who believe that the name of God is truly the entirety of the Old Testament, from the very first word to the very last word. That is the essence of God. And John seeks to bring both worlds together in this teaching, and the beginning was the word. And this whole idea of wisdom and this idea of power came to mean something very, very special in the, first, in the earliest days of the church. Because Paul knew that it wasn't the words that really mattered. Robert and I were chatting this morning. He said, are you going to get an amen in the sermon? I said, I'm suspecting I will if I quote from the King James Bible. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And I don't want to disappoint you, but Paul didn't read from that text. He, He didn't. A couple of weeks ago, we spent a little bit of time reflecting on the fact that we are called to be holy people. It's a very special experience that we have, those of us who are believers, who've accepted Christ to be that person, to live in a way that's a little bit uniquely different than the world in which we live on a day-to-day basis. I reminded you that we've been enriched in every way, in our speaking and in our knowledge, and we really lack nothing when it comes to spiritual gifts. But the sad part is, we live like we lack a lot. We live like we are living in a a a world of scarcity almost. And it comes from the fact, I believe with all my heart, that we have so encased the Spirit of God. And we've tried to put the Spirit of God, and I don't even have one up here, but I'm going to get one. Is there a Bible on the back of that pew? Thank you. This is perfect. See, we've, so, we, we've come to a point in our in our teaching and theology that we try to put the Spirit of God in here. And we try to put Him inside the confines of the front and the back cover of this book that we call a Bible. 
umpteen years ago when I was in college, I remember reading about one of the early church founders of our Fellowship of the Churches of Christ. And after he would baptize someone, he would hand them a copy of the Bible. And he would say, here, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And that was it. I've shared with you before, I don't have the ability to heal people physically. Had I been able to, there would be fewer sore people in the church this morning because there were a handful of us that helped move Aaron and Lizzie in yesterday afternoon, and some of us have sore muscles. I don't have the ability to give people sight or hearing. I shared with you weeks ago about a gentleman that I had the privilege of sitting by on an airplane. And he was deaf, and he was blind, and he couldn't speak. And he was, as I reflected then, he was the modern-day Helen Keller because he literally sat and he was signing in the palm of his partner's hand as they sat on the plane. And I wish I could have just like that said, receive your sight. I don't have that yet. Maybe I will someday. But I do know with all of my heart that you and I can live in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because He is alive. And He lives within us. Our bodies are the temple of God. He has chosen to live in us. And if He's chosen to live in us, He's living in us. If we'll allow Him to, He's living in us with power from on high. Sometimes we get confused about what's important. And we like to look at people. Paul alluded to this when he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says, you know, some of you say you follow Paul, some of you follow, some of you say you follow Christ. We're not any different. We're not any different. I listed a few people who have been a part of this church. You know, some of us like the writings of Paul. We don't have too many of the writings of Apollos. We have the letters of Cephas, who is Peter. And then we've had some other folks a part of this church. Some of you were around here when Jeff Walling preached. Any of you were here when he was preaching? handful of you were here? Yeah, he was a pretty good preacher. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, he's an amazing preacher. Are you kidding me? Steve Smith used to preach here. He was even here last year for a while. You remember him? I remember him. Jason Darden, he was a good preacher. He's still a good preacher. How about Bob Crawford serving as an elder, or Clint Fox serving as an elder, and I could list a whole bunch more of you guys. How about Mark Oldham or Robert Acosta? How about me being a preacher? It's not about me. It's not about any of those guys on that, on that list. It's not even about Paul or Apollos or Cephas. It's not about them. Doug's doing a great job teaching the adult class. Guess what? It's not about him. It's not. You know what it's really about? It's about Jesus. How about we just decide to follow Jesus? Is that too much to ask of a church? How about we just follow Jesus? Regardless of who preaches here, or who doesn't preach here anymore. Because I can tell you today, I'm not going to preach here forever, unless Jesus comes back in a few minutes. And then it will be forever. I'm not going to preach here forever. I'm going to die someday. And if I live long enough to die, this church is still here, guess what? Somebody else will fill the pulpit. 
welcome to life. It isn't about a person who's standing in front of you that brings power to the church. It's about Jesus. And it's about the presence of Christ, the presence of Christ. It's about the presence of his spirit. So, this little verse of scripture in Corinthians is powerful. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what's your message? What's your message when you're talking with anyone about anything to do with faith. Is it about doctrine? Or is it about Jesus? And I know sometimes those are connected. And sometimes you have to have one to have the other. But I also know that sometimes we have a lot of doctrine and ideas about what the church should do or shouldn't do or can do or can't do. And it's based on our personal preferences, not so much on what Jesus said. Like what time are church services? 9.30's Bible class. If you didn't make it this morning, we'll be here next Sunday at 9.30. Come on down, they're not bad. 10.30 is worship. Sunday night in a couple of weeks, we'll have a singing. Wednesday night, Glenn is here, has been for the last several months teaching the class. He's here on Wednesday evening. Come on down. Those are times that we set. By the way, do you know why a lot of churches have Sunday morning and Sunday evening services? Do you know where that came from? Came from the rural agricultural community because some people had to milk their cows in the morning and they couldn't make it. And so they started evening services to accommodate those who had to milk the cows. And yet I have known people who are willing to almost excommunicate people who didn't show up on Sunday night because they didn't show up on Sunday night. Where is Jesus in that? Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that's what I want to chat with you about for a minute or two. Because see, it isn't about me or even my sermons. And it isn't about the elders' opinions or preferences. It truly is about Jesus. I shared with you several months ago about how that I began to listen to the Bible at the encouragement of Ken DeBose. He kept talking about listening to the Bible when you're riding on the car. Well, I ride a few hours every month like 4,000 miles worth of driving, sitting in a car. And I listen to the Bible a lot. And you know what's really struck me? Are the words of Jesus. That's what's really impressed me in listening to the Bible, are the words of Jesus. And sometimes when I listen to the words of Jesus and then I flip over to something that Paul says, or that Peter writes, or that was written 
by the writer of Hebrews, I hear something that's close to the words of Jesus. And then I go back and compare it to the words of Jesus. And I listen to the Old Testament sometimes. And I hear things that reflect upon things that are pointing to Jesus. And then I go and listen to the words of Jesus. There was a dear brother who preached for years and years. He was a missionary in New Zealand, Australia, a long time ago. He was a preacher at the college church in Searcy when Lynn and I were there back in the 70s. Jim Woodruff was his name. And Jim used to tell the story about a little old lady in New Zealand who was kind of one of his mentors in ministry. He was a young man as a missionary, and Jim was struggling in his ministry. He just, just wasn't working. He was struggling. And he tell, told the story of a conversation with her, and she said, Jim, you have to understand that it's all about Jesus. And she said, whatever it is that you preach this week, you have to come back and look at what Jesus said about it. And she said, if you preach a series of lessons from the Old Testament, you've got to come back to the New. And you've got to look at the words of Jesus. And if you preach from Paul and some of the stuff that he wrote or some of the things that Peter wrote or the book of Revelation and what John wrote, she said, after you talk about that, you've got to come back to Jesus. She said, you just got to keep coming back to Jesus. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Our conversation in the world I believe would be more effective if we focused on Jesus. Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's pretty simple. Not a lot of confusion in that. Not a lot of discussion about what you should or shouldn't do at a church or what you should or shouldn't do in a lot of different scenarios if you're just focusing on Jesus. And when you really go back and look at the words of Christ and you listen to the words of Christ, one of the things that keeps coming out in that is how he would have us to live. What is it that is really important in our lives and how we treat other people? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan. What was that story all about? It wasn't about the two guys that didn't take care of the guy. It was about the man who did take care of him and the reaction in our lives in caring for other people. The story of the woman caught in adultery. What was that story about? Not casting stones? Perhaps that was a part of the story, but the most important concept, the most important statement Jesus made was, where are those who condemn you? They aren't here anymore. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The love that Jesus expressed. The story of Zacchaeus. You remember that story? Zacchaeus was the little guy in the tree. Jesus goes home with him. What was the outcome of that story? Zacchaeus, after having lunch with the Christ, after spending an afternoon with Jesus, announced to the world, everything that I have, I'll give half of it back. If I've offended anyone, taken anything I shouldn't have, I'll pay them back many times over what I took from them. And he turned his life around after one lunch with Jesus. Anyone ever turned their life around after having a conversation with you about what we're supposed to do in a church building on Sunday morning? Not saying what we're doing is wrong, not even suggesting we change anything. But I am suggesting the conversation that we have with people should be focused on that which is the most important thing. And the most important thing is. Jesus. 
My preaching and my message were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So what in the world does that look like? What is the Spirit's power? I've already confessed to you that I don't have any miraculous things that I can really offer anyone that would dramatically change their life in a moment's notice just like that. I don't have those gifts. But I do believe with all of my heart that I live and walk in the power of the Spirit every day. Because, dude, you can't make this stuff up that I get into. You just can't make it up. I've told you about my Friday folly stuff, and that's just, that just stuff just keeps happening. And I don't go, well, I do go looking for it. I'll just tell you, I do go looking for it. I try not to eat alone. Not because I feel bad about eating alone. It's because I know that there are people out there that need to eat. And I've been blessed with enough money to buy them lunch. And in the course of that lunch or that breakfast or that coffee or whatever it is, there's an opportunity, there's a possibility for me to some way, somehow, however small it might be, have just a little bit of an influence in that individual's life. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. I think Jesus said that, didn't he? Well, what does that mean for us in our lives today and the way that we live? What does it mean that he'll guide us into all truth? Maybe he will take us to places and take us to people and give us, through the power of the Spirit that lives within us, the ability to have the, just the words that we needed to say at just the right time. That is living in the power of the Spirit. When you and I go through our world, it's not about us. It's not about somebody that we work with. It's about where is Jesus in all of this? I ask the question oftentimes to my own kids. I ask it to others when they're talking about making some decision that they deem to be a great decision, especially if I know that they're a believer. One of the questions that I often will ask them is, where is God in that? Where is Jesus in that? And I will tell you, sometimes when I ask that question, I get this bewildered look from the person that I'm speaking with, and they don't even hardly know what I'm talking about. But I ask the question because I want them to think about, where is God in all of that? You sent children to college, yes? Where was God in the decision for the college choice that you made? You bought a house in a particular area, city, neighborhood. Where was God in the decision to buy that house? You have a job. Where is God and your decision to work in that endeavor and in that field? And I'm just going to offer to you, and I'm just crazy enough to say this out loud, if he's not in it, um, you probably should find something else to do. Because all it's going to do is cause you turmoil and trouble and anxiety and, and, and an uneasiness of life. And the Spirit isn't present in that.
Where is Jesus in your conversation of life? And where is God in the decisions that you make? That is living in the power of the Spirit. For whatever reason, God doesn't do quite as many miraculous things as he used to. That's okay. But he's still here with us. You see, our faith doesn't rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. A message in our lives are best lived not with persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. How persuasive are you in speaking with someone? You've heard this expression before, I'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one. That's probably what you're thinking right now. Where is God in your life, in the everyday walk of life? Paul, later in this letter, when he's encouraging those who are married or considering marriage, he talks about those who are, who are married to someone who's not a believer, and he makes the encouraging words to them, listen, you don't have to say anything. You just need to live a life that's going to cause those with whom you're living to see Jesus living in you, and then you will draw them to Christ. It's a paraphrase, but that's in essence what he says. If we followed you to work tomorrow, what would we see? If I followed you or you followed me to the grocery store this week, what would you see? If you were able to sit beside me or I beside you in the coffee shop and hear the conversation with someone with whom you're speaking, what would I hear? When you go to check out and there's a line this long and you're in a hurry and you get to the register and you finally get to speak with that cashier, what would you say? Our lives are to be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And one of the greatest demonstrations of the Spirit's power that we have to share with anyone is the kind of life that we have that we call a Christian life. To be the persons that sound like Jesus. To be individuals who listen to others the way that Jesus listened to them. That are receptive to the needs of others, recognizing that there are people who have real needs in life. And we are there not just to take something, we're there not just because we have business there, but we're there because there are people and God has placed us in this place at just this right time to take care of whatever it is that he puts in front of us. We're going to sing the song. Did I go too fast? Let God arise. We're going to sing this in just a minute. I want you to think about something with me, guys, as Brandon gets ready to lead us in the song. How are you living? And where's God in your life? And does the power of His Spirit ever show up where you're at? Because the reality is, that's what we have to offer the world. I don't walk around quoting Bible Scripture. I don't walk around showing people my copy of the NIV on my Bible, or the King James, because I can download that too, Robert. I don't do that. If you go back and listen to the words of Jesus... It wasn't often that he even quoted scripture. But he sure did impact a lot of people because he cared for them and he loved them.
And he challenged them at times because of how they were living. And he encouraged them to turn from the life they were living and go another way. Just like the woman who's caught in adultery, go and sin no more. The man who's crazy on the side of a hill, who's chained up in a cemetery, he heals the man. What does he tell him? Nope, you can't go with me. I need you to just go home and tell people what has happened to you. No command to go to church on Sunday. No command to sing two songs, have a prayer, another song of the Lord's Supper, a sermon, and go home. No command on how long your hair should be or not be, or whether you wear a dress or not. No commands about any of that stuff. I just need you to tell people what God has done for you. Well, what has He done for you? And if you're struggling with that, let's have coffee. And let's figure it out. Because I believe with all of my heart, if you just spend just a few minutes thinking about what God has done for you, you'll have a lot to talk about. And you'll have a lot to share with others. So the power is not in your persuasive words. It's really not. I'm not sure it has anything to do with anything that I ever say. But I think it has everything to do with where I'm willing to live. And I'll live with anybody anywhere. Because that is the power of God's Spirit. I invite you to consider the sermon as you leave this week. And I invite you to take it with you. And I encourage you to live just a little differently this week. And to let Jesus and his Holy Spirit truly come into your heart and into your life and allow you to touch people in different ways than maybe you have ever done before. We're going to encourage one another with this song. If there's any of you here that we can pray with, any of you who have desired to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we have a baptism right here. It's prepared. It's ready. If any of you want to accept Christ this day, wash away your sins, we would welcome the opportunity to assist you in that. Let's stand and encourage one another. Let the holy roar of God resound. Watch the waters part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. Tell the world.